0: Well, Black Friday turned into Black Thanksgiving weekend as North Carolina squandered several opportunities, losing to both Iowa State and Alabama in basketball and NC State in football. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. hey there it's monday november twenty eighth, two 2022 welcome into the locked on tar heels podcast the only daily north carolina show out there i'm your host isaac shade and i want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day please don't forget we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts so make sure you subscribe right now to get your team every day well uh friends a rough weekend hopefully you ate a lot of good turkey and had good family time and food because as far as the Carolina men's teams were concerned this weekend, it was some ugly stuff. Thankfully, we do have some things to celebrate on the women's side. We're going to talk about all of that, but we have to start with this wacky four overtime loss to Alabama on Sunday. It was just the second four overtime game in Carolina history. Now let let's say this: it would be impossible to try and unpack all the minutia of the whole thing, every in and out and dribble and rebound and assist, every glimmer of hope, every m- missed opportunity, and there were a lot of them. Um, so what I do want to do is highlight some key takeaways. Um, I want to sit in the the gross and the yuck of it for a little bit, but then. I do want to turn a corner and try to see what we can take away uh, that is positive or instructive for the season-long side of things. Because, um, remember, it is just late November still, and last year's team that wound up in the national championship game was also not so great in late November. So... There is definitely positive to be taken, but we are not going to start with the positive. Although I am a glass half full person, for those of you who listen or watch on a consistent basis, know I am a very positive person. I like to take a patient approach, Uh, but even on a day like this, I'm going to start out with some of the, ready, let's do it. Depth, we're going to start there. Carolina just looked gassed and out of it, started relying on, on jump shots. The the third overtime they were getting to the rim and that's when things were good and they were up six. Um, but you, you saw it frankly with both teams, right? Shots were falling short, way short in some cases, but the Tar Heels were the more, more gassed than Alabama was. Um, Part of that is anyone is going to be gassed when they have played four overtimes, uh, regardless. But for North Carolina, not only are they playing a four-overtime game, but they've also played not much depth in this game, not much depth in any other game of the now three and essentially a half games that they've played over the course of just four days. And that is going to take its toll. Now, hear me say, straight up heroic to have Caleb Love playing 57 minutes and Leaky 54 minutes, RJ, 51, Puff, 48 minutes off the bench in this thing. Yeah. But when you look at the box score of this game, in a game that went to four overtimes, so that totals another whole 5, 10, 15, 20 more minutes for a total of 60. In in that scenario, you only had seven Tar Heels play double-digit minutes. Seven when it's a 60-minute game. And only eight Tar Heels play seven or more minutes. That's, that's just not feasible or sustainable in the short or long-term. And that's got to be fixed. Now, I... Listen, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and I, and I don't mind that that's going to happen. If that's what Hubert Davis wants to do, I trust Coach Davis, right? I, I trust the coaching staff. I trust what they want to do. But where it's odd and where I take some issue with it is that we've been told all offseason that there is a bench, and there's going to be depth, and we're going to utilize it, especially in contrast to last year where it, it really was the iron five plus some plus some puff basically. And Don Tress sprinkled in here or there. And so we've been told all off season, Hey man, look at all this depth. Look at, look at what's been created. Like the freshmen coming in, it's going to be awesome. But all I can do is believe what I'm seeing in front of me. And what I'm seeing in front of me is not a deep team. Now, I don't know what, what that is or why that is. If that's a, an issue with maybe they're not, the players aren't as far along as people thought. Uh, Maybe it's an issue of development, whatever it is. It is the reality that we are in. Um, And then the question going forward is how does this snowball? What are the repercussions of playing these few guys this many minutes Thursday, Friday, Sunday? And then how does that hold over into Indiana on Wednesday? How does that hold over into Virginia Tech next Sunday? These are the things that you have to start looking at. The next thing that we look at coming out of this game is just the end of game scenarios. The the lack of an end of game execution, both in regulation and in the overtime periods. Um, it just wasn't there. Now, I know, as we've said, it's late November and things are not at where they will be in February and March. But when I look at what North Carolina did coming out of halftime, the very first offensive possession of the second half was beautiful. Beautiful passing, beautiful ball movement led to an Armando Baycott dunk. You contrast that with what happened an hour or so later, and that's night and day different. Now I know you're infinitely more worn out and tired, but you can still run plays that gets you good looks at the basket. You can still run plays where it's not just like the end. Let's use the example of the end of the first overtime. There's 31 seconds left. So Carolina can basically hold for the last shot. The entire shot clock is Caleb Love just standing out front dribbling while the other four players are on the baseline with about 12 seconds. Caleb goes and literally no passes tries to turn the corner, can't. So Caleb just takes a step back three. That that's that's the execution we're getting at the end of the first overtime in in which Carolina had kind of looked like hey, they're they're not going to pull this out. The fact that they got back to even was awesome. But then you have a timeout and you have this time to to figure out what you're going to do and that's what comes out of it. That doesn't cut it. So, um I don't know what to do with that, but end of game execution has to get better. Speaking of which, the next ugh, is, I, I want to stay with Caleb. Fantastic. Career high, 34 points. Dude, that's awesome. But it took 36 shots, 36 shots to get there. And so for me, that means one of two things. There is blame to either be assigned to Caleb or to coach Davis. And what do I mean by that? Well, if it's, if the, if the fault lies with coach Davis, it's that he's not drawing up plays at at the end of game scenarios or whatever it is, or he's not holding Caleb accountable to what Caleb's doing down the stretch of regulation, just shot after shot after shot. You just can't have these wild threes and floaters like that's not going to go in consistently. And I know we've talked all three of Caleb's years about um, living with some of those yucky shots for a three over Mark Williams in the final four to send Carolina to the national championship. But the Caleb that I saw two games ago against Portland that I proclaimed was the best decision-making Caleb I've ever seen that Caleb was gone against both Iowa state and Uh, against Alabama on Sunday. So there's either blame on, on coach Davis for not holding Caleb accountable to say, Hey buddy, you're going to sit down for a little bit until you play within the offense. Or the blame is with on Caleb for perhaps coach Davis is making those admonishments. Perhaps coach Davis is drawing up those plays and Caleb just ain't running it. He's freelancing and doing his own thing. Either way, something's got to change with what Caleb is happening. Broader is the next thing I want to look at. The ich, is team connectedness on offense in a game that went 60 minutes. Carolina had just 15 assists, 15 assists on 38 made baskets. That is a clear sign and indication that Carolina is not playing Carolina basketball. This team is d- too dribble heavy, two one-on-one heavy too hero ball heavy. And it starts with the backcourt. I, I think more of it is on Caleb than RJ but there, there's just, there's not enough ball movement. There's not enough connectedness and I know it's going to grow. It, it has to, that's what last year's team did. It took a while to figure that out, but right now they don't have it and they're not there. And, and you look at three point discrepancy um, Carolina in this game was seven for 23 from deep Alabama, 16 had 16 three pointers on 38 attempts on the season. Caleb and RJ are shooting just a combined 25.9% from three. And so if that's not fallen, go to the rim, go get teammates involved, whatever it may be. And the shots are going to fall. They will, but they're not right now. And so something has to change. A couple other things on the ick are the injury concerns. Leaky rolled his ankle early in the first overtime, then kept, kept playing like a boss. Um, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But also Mondo, um, R- Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, tweeted after the game, UNC senior Armando Baycott said he felt, quote, sharp pains in his right ankle. He hobbled out to do post-game interviews. He said he's going to try his hardest to play on Wednesday versus Indiana. That's another part of the depth issues is when you're tired, you the injuries are more susceptible. Um, thankfully, on the flip side of the, the positive of injuries, it seems like Puff Johnson's good to go. I heard said he played 48 minutes in this thing. So that's a win. And obviously we still haven't seen Jalen Washington. And the last, ugh, and I, I hate to put blame or whatever on refs, but ooh, woof, gross, yuck. The refs were frankly atrocious in this game. And it's not just me having sour grapes about the um, overturned uh, goaltending call right at the end of the game. it I was tweeting things and saying things about the officiating way before that. Arm- Armando and RJ in the first half both had really just poor, poor calls against them. One was a charge against RJ or he was called for a, a charge. It should have been a block, just several of those things. Um, and also if we're going to review and overturn this goaltending call, which, you know, I think I tend to agree that it it was a good block. On the other hand, in, I believe it was the overtime right before that. I think it was Caleb Love was whistled for a charge on a play where the the defender's foot was clearly inside the arc, and it wasn't just like a player control. Like it was where Caleb's driving to the basket, and it's illegal for him to have. So we're going to review that goaltending, but we're not going to review that. That doesn't cut it, and something's got to change. That roughing again. Not saying it cost Carolina the game, but it certainly did not help. Bottom long. Bottom line. The long term. Uh, issue here is now you've put yourself in a position where since you lost to both Iowa State and Alabama, you feel like you have a ton of pressure on this game at Indiana on Wednesday and then at, in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech next Sunday. But if you beat Bama, there's... Le- There's less pressure on this game at at Indiana on Wednesday because you know you've got at least one of these under your belt. And listen, the team gets it. They know that they're not playing great right now. Armando said to CL Brown after the game, I've I've sucked really the whole season. I, I wouldn't go that far, but he's not playing like himself. And perhaps maybe we know now why. But at this point, you've played only two major conference teams and you've lost to both of them. Lost to both of them. It's a tough slate, tough schedule ahead. We're going to have to see what Carolina is able to do. Now, as I said, I do want to get to some happier things, which include some of the Carolina women's teams doing absolute work. But I do also have some some happy takeaways from hopefully from this game as well. But before we get to those, this episode is brought to you by Upside. Inflation has us all thinking about ways to cut back. And the great news is that Upside is an app that can help you get some of that money back, whether it's at a restaurant or um, at the gas pump, whatever it may be. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back as much because literally every time I go to fill up on gas, I use Upside to get money back. And so because of that extra cash in my pocket, I don't have to cut back as much. And you could, too. So to get started, download the free Upside app, use our promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, and then pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then you get paid. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Add your job in purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to let people know that you're on the lookout. And then simple tools like screening questions will help you filter out and find just the right candidates that you want to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just exactly that. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So shouts to the UNC women who are holding it down in the positive on a weekend where some of the men's teams, basketball and football notably did not do as well. So first off last weekend on the Carolina field hockey team won the national championship an undefeated season, beating number two Northwestern two to one in the national championship game. Fiona Crawley for women's tennis is just winning all the fall everything. Make sure you go see what she's done. And then more recently, women's soccer is moving on to the college cup, which is the soccer final four. Uh, they had a 2 0 victory over Notre Dame at Notre Dame over the weekend, and then we'll play Florida State uh, coming up on Friday at 6 p.m. on ESPNU, or it's in Cary, so you could maybe even go to it. Uh, Carolina and Florida State split their matches this season. The Tar Heels most recently lost uh, to the Seminoles in the ACC tournament, so get another crack at the Knolls, and then just yesterday on Sunday, the women's basketball team won their version of the Phil Knight Invitational, knocking off number 18 Oregon and number five Iowa State in the process. the The women are six and zero; oh, should continue to climb in the polls when they are updated and released. This team is so resilient. They were down 17 in this game, came back to win took a lead with 7.20 left in the fourth quarter and never trailed again, although Iowa State did come back to tie it. Um, But Carolina hit their free throws down the stretch and come back with a win. Now, they also have um, the Hoosiers in Bloomington coming up later this week. Okay, as I said, I do want to make sure that we point out some, some good things, some positive takeaways from what we saw from the Tar Heels in Portland. Number one, against Alabama, at least the effort that Coach Davis has been begging this team for was there. You saw it. Personified no more or er, er, personified most perfectly in our guy Puff Johnson. What a great thing it is to have him back. Again, I said on the flip side of the, of the injury concerns and injury, yay is that he's clearly fine and good to go, which is great news because Carolina would be hurting hurt and bad kind of worse than they are right now without him. Um, But like the, the play that um, crystallized it for me was there was about 30 seconds left in the first overtime. We talked about the negative play that ensued after it, but the reason Carolina had possession is there was a loose ball that Puff Johnson had no business getting and somehow found his way to got timeout and Carolina had possession with a chance to win at the end of the first overtime you love to see that effort and resilience from him the other person I want to point out is Leaky. like again had that ankle issue at the uh, beginning of the first overtime and who knows how he's going to be come Wednesday in Bloomington hopefully uh, just lace it up real tight and go but goodness he just continues to make big play after big play Alabama freshman Brandon Miller is an absolute stud, the leading scoring freshman in the nation. Leakey shut him down in the first half, zero points at halftime, three fouls. Um, and so just love what he continues to do on the defensive end, had a couple blocks on Miller, had another block Um, And then doing it on the offensive end, too, had a very important three-point shot that should have helped Carolina win this game in overtime and, and other things like that. And so Leakey, to me, has been the most consistent player on the team so far this year and really thankful for that. The next piece of good news is... Remember back to the losses in late November and early December last year, blowout after blowout, right? Embarrassing outside of the Purdue game. That was a nine point loss, but the others, that Tennessee loss the next day was bad. The loss to Kentucky, not even close. And so these games, you feel encouraged because I I guess on one hand, encouraged on the other hand, like, because you're encouraged because it's like you can and should have won these games the EF is that you didn't, right? Carolina wins these basketball games, and that's, that's where the disappointment is. But the encouraging thing is there's nothing I'm seeing that says Carolina can't play with the other best teams in the country. I think Iowa State is a top 25 team, quite frankly, and Alabama is better than their 18th ranking shows. Still losses, but they're not blowouts, and I'm encouraged by that, that Carolina can and should win. The next thing I'll I'll say is just patience. And this is something I preached a lot last year and had to preach it less as Carolina started winning. Um, But it's also something that Coach Davis uh, preached after this Alabama game is um, his tone was surprisingly different than I thought it would be. And and that's good news. Um, I don't think the fan base is necessarily with Coach Davis on that. And that's okay because he doesn't care because he's the head coach and none of the fan base is. Uh, and so I know the the fan base is is frustrated and um, wondering a lot of what's going on, but here Coach Davis and here the players, they're the ones doing it, and they're the ones that are saying, it's going to come together. We know that it's not yet. As I said a little bit ago, they, they recognize that things aren't where they should be right now. But as Coach Pat Kilby has often said on this show, who Carolina is right now on November 28th is not who they will be in late February and in March. So... Patience. And then the question now is this When you're faced with these fork in the road moments, which path do you take? Do you have regression and let these two losses turn into three and four and five losses? Or do you see the good in them and you see how close you are and become motivated by what should have happened on Sunday against Alabama and say, hey, this is going to spur us on to bigger and better things. And so we're hanging tough. We're all in this together. Like, is this a circle the wagons moment? Or is it a, no, I'm going to go get mine and get my stats so I can move on to the NBA moment. We're going to find out. And we're going to have our eyes peeled to see. Now, Carolina's four overtime loss to Alabama was not the only negative overtime loss for a Carolina sports team this weekend the football team as you know had a two overtime loss to NC State and we want to talk about that which we will do but first This episode is brought to you by Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. And when I think of unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it's got to be the Carolina women coming back from 17 down, like we said a minute ago, to beat Iowa State by nine in the Phil Knight Invitational. The women are undefeated, currently eighth in the nation, but they will certainly jump up when the rankings refresh. Way to go, ladies. So proud of the work you are doing. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So Black Friday, Carolina is coming off having lost to Georgia Tech the week before. A game that's like, hey, it's kind of a revenge game from last year because Georgia Tech basically owned you. And then you come into this one and it's like, hey, this is pretty much a revenge game because, well, you saw what happened against NC State last year in Raleigh. And it's like, ah, cannot do that again. Have to come back have to get this win, have to get revenge in Keenan Stadium for what happened. And did they? No. Carolina loses in double overtime 30 to 27 painfully on a missed field goal. Yeah. And you just you just sit in it, right? And of course it happens within half an hour or so of when the Tar Heels basketball team is losing to Iowa State in also negative fashion, right? They had that game For the football team, here's the bottom line for me. And here's where we're going to go with it. If North Carolina football wants to move into the next tier, either of ACC or the nation, they have to win games like this. They cannot miss this opportunity. And, And truthfully, that's also very true about last week, too, about Georgia Tech. You cannot have a misstep in those games the best teams in the nation annually are not doing that. They are winning those games. They're finding a way to do it because not every team is going to be on their best every week, but you find a way to eke out a victory, make a play, whatever it may be. And Carolina's done that a lot this year, but when, when it's so close to the edge there of one or two plays going either way that determine the outcome, You have to make those plays every time because, frankly, Carolina's talented enough, but they haven't been as good enough as a team as they need to be to say, hey, yeah, we're just going to go out and do it. In this game, in this all-important rivalry game at home against NC State, Carolina never led, not once, in regulation. They, They took a lead in overtime. I mean, part of that is just, That's the way it goes uh, when you have the ball first, right? You're going to score first. Um, But Carolina has to win these games if they want to be taken seriously at the national level. Now, here's another thing about this loss. It's very similar to what I said about basketball. The Georgia Tech loss is like, all right, that stinks. But we've got this NC State game there's an opportunity to beat your rival. And then that feels like a great way to kind of cap the regular season, 10 wins first time in double digit win since 2015, but they didn't win that game either. And so what does that do now? It feels like to me, if you win that NC state game, then it's like, yeah, we're kind of playing with house money in the ACC championship. You'd love to win, but it's Clemson. They've just had a great run. Although they haven't been great this year, they're coming off a loss as well, but, yeah, you beat state and it's like would be awesome to win the ACC championship and go to the Orange Bowl. But you beat state, you got your 10 win regular season, that's awesome. But you didn't do that. You lost to Georgia Tech, you lost to NC State. So now it feels like there's kind of more pressure to beat Clemson in the ACC Championship. So you don't have a three-game skid and potentially a four-game skid if you lose your bowl game as well. And so Carolina's put themselves in this position where you're not really playing with house money against Clemson anymore. You got to figure it out. But ultimately, here's the truth of the matter. You haven't, by losing to NC State, lost anything that you didn't already lose from the Georgia Tech game big time. Right? Bragging rights, in-state stuff, whatever with that. But you still have this opportunity to play for an Orange Bowl berth if you go out and get a win against Clemson. But is Carolina going to be able to do that? because look at this the offense has frankly looked pedestrian now 2 weeks in a row after being awesome so much of the season and so it makes you wonder what's happening is scouting catching up is it Georgia Tech's defense is a little better and NC State's definitely is Clemson's is going to be the best defense you've seen probably all season man well, it's debatable with NC State perhaps but all that to say The offense is not humming along like they had been red zone. Efficiency has tanked the past two weeks against NC state. They were five of seven, not awful, but only three of seven for touchdowns where Carolina has been putting it in the end zone at a high, high level all season long up until Georgia tech and now NC state. Now it was such an exciting end of game. Uh, Carolina was resilient. You love to see that side of it. Like, like, Again, Drake May is a redshirt freshman quarterback. Um, you've got Elijah Green in the backfield. All these things you keep them in in mind and, and take them seriously. But so so I love the resilience to come back, and how what a just fun end of regulation that was. You thought you had that touchdown to John Copenhaver uh, to send the game basically to overtime, and uh, turned out he bobbled it on third and goal and so Carolina has two seconds fourth and goal and it it's literally now or never at this point and and Drake May finds Antoine Green who is thankfully back from his injury Um, touchdown end of end of regulation thankfully you get your um, point after from Noah Burnett and we're going to overtime you love to see that and it felt like Carolina had all the momentum and was going to go into overtime and ride the crowd and, and everything else to win this rivalry game but it didn't not happen now on the defensive side of the ball. I I know NC State's defense or offense is just so bad and is starting their fourth quarterback of the season. But I thought the defense played quite admirably, particularly given that they were by the by games end missing sixty percent of their starting secondary. Uh, you knew before the game that Storm Duck was out and then lost both Cam Kelly. I'm sorry that Tony Grimes was out pregame and then. Uh, during the game you lose both camp kelly and storm duck and that like is like hey you know what's going to happen there but here's the thing i was impressed by what legend Cavazos did i love freshman marcus allen coming in some good stuff from both of those guys and so that gives you some hope uh, will hardy freshman linebacker like some of these guys are doing great things and so maybe it's not all awful Um, having to to dip into these talented youngsters and see what they can do. But defense held up, I thought, again, I'll just use the word admirably. I thought just given all the attrition they're going through with starters and everything, a, a really solid job, again, albeit against a not good NC State offense. It was another good day for Elijah Green, speaking of him going back to Carolina's offense, uh, just kind of taking the same trajectory that we saw from another running back who will be back next season um, at the end of last year in British Brooks. And so, um, you know, he's excited for Elijah Green. I know everyone's excited for Elijah Green and what he's doing. So Tar Heels do lose their second game in as many weeks. Can they turn it around in the ACC championship game this weekend? You'd love to see it. You need some some good juju, some good mojo to wrap up this football season, heading into the bowl game, whomever that may be. A win puts you in the Orange Bowl, and you'd love to see the possibilities there. Well, friends, uh, it has been a heavy show coming out of a heavy weekend, but... It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Just always remember that. <clears throat> yes, uh, huge week ahead for the Tar Heels again. The ACC championship game on Saturday, ACC Big Ten Challenge on Wednesday. Start ACC playing basketball on Sunday of next week. So lots going on. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shea. Thanks for making Locked On Sp- Tar Heels your first listen. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today for your next one biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day locked on sports today available on odyssey youtube and anywhere else you get podcasts hey thanks so much for spending part of your monday even on a difficult monday hanging out with me and again a reminder that it's always always a great day to be a tar heel even coming off of losses hey until tomorrow peace